If you're going to be watching over a girl that overdosed or supposedly had a handful of edibles, like you're supposed to pipe. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're just not piping, especially at like 1145 at night. Like you're supposed to pipe. It's Who's probably, punished you? It's probably a very serious situation. Now, who's just punishing you? Not because what you did was wrong. It's because you didn't pipe. I just want you to know that. Okay, we talked about this. Anyway, also but while you're no, no, please, I, I, who's to not talk about that? Don't don't bring this up to him. Um, but what I do want you to bring up is that his beard doesn't connect. Make sure you tell him that. Don't listen to Uncle Nada. Have respect for women. <laughs> not never respect women. We uh, we're Andrew Tate out here. <laughs> All right, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. <clears throat> A serious discussion needs to be had. Because in the fantasy football community, everyone will tell you, or it has been kind of said a lot around the the circles and the other analysts, is that wide receiver twos are sufficient. I'm here to tell you they're not. They're pretty trash. And they leave for incredibly undesirable fantasy football outcomes. I mean, just take a look at the receivers this week from Gabriel Davis, Devontae Smith, Waddle, Godwin, I could go on and on and on about the unproductive, inconsistent wide receiver to fantasy output. I think that a discussion needs to be had with what we're going to do with wide receiver twos and not wide receiver twos as in, you know, they're wide receiver one on your fantasy roster. They're ranked as a wide receiver two, but the actual wide receiver two on the football team, because let's face it. If there were wide receiver ones, they would be, right? And I know Sheehan, the number one Australian analyst, you're alongside me right now. This is going to be probably a, a little bit of a rant to discussion on what to expect, what is realistic, and what can we do to realistically change the outcome and benefit us for the better? Because Right now, wide receiver twos are so inconsistent. And with half-point PPR and full-point PPR being really predominant right now in the fantasy community, if you don't have elite wide receivers, you are definitely at a disadvantage, especially with one running back being really unproductive this year, especially the first round. Other than Eckler's 30-point game or Saquon, who wasn't a first-rounder, your running back situation is pretty dire. And if you didn't happen to have elite wide receivers, you might be at a disadvantage right now. But I'll let you hear your opinion. I think it really depends on what style of receiver they are. And oh, apologies. nice voice, by the way. <laughs> what was that? Nice voice. Yeah, nice voice. Yeah, I've been smoking uh, cigarettes every five minutes, apparently. Um, I apologize straight away for my voice. We uh, record quite early in the morning here. It's late at night for you. It's early in the morning for me. So I didn't realize when I got up and out of bed that I didn't have a voice until I went to say hello to you. And uh, hence hence the voice. But wide receiver twos. I think if you were drafting a team's wide receiver two 
and expecting elite production, then you're looking at it the wrong way. Wide receivers, your wide receiver two on a team has potential from a fantasy sense to win you weeks, but they have potential to lose you weeks as well. And that's why if you are going for that wide receiver two, like Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle, Mike Evans, someone like that, you want that big playability out of them. You want the guy who can have six for 120 and two on any given week and win you a week. But it's strange that given the league is so pass heavy these days, there isn't more for the wide receivers to eat, if you like. I think what we're seeing is teams want to throw the ball around more, spread it around more, and have that big dog target hog at the same time, which is killing independent Jalen Waddle. It's killing independent Mike Williams. It's killing independent Jerry Judy. And, you know, that sucks for your fantasy team. But fantasy football, fantasy sports are cyclical. cyclical. And, you know, we've seen the rise and fall of the running back. And we talked about that at the start of this year. It was going to be a tough year to draft. And now we're seeing the, the pendulum sort of swing the other way from needing an elite running back to an elite wide receiver. So if we look into our crystal ball at the end of, well, you know, the start of draft season next season, are we going to see those elite wide receivers at the top of fantasy drafts instead of four, five, six running backs? I think so. And you know me, I, I've been advocating go heavy RB early and often because they're just so difficult to grab it and... Yeah, I really do feel like your fantasy roster is weak without them. But I also feel like your fantasy roster is really weak without wide receivers. So now I've been kind of looking at my draft strategies and kind of reevaluating them, thinking, okay, how could I improve them? And what did I do in my other leagues differently? Because, you know, as, as you know, I try not to be in a bunch of leagues. So right now I'm in five. And every, every one of those five, I kind of tried to implement a little bit more of a different draft strategy uh, to, to see kind of which one do I like, which one do I feel more comfortable with, which one do I have the much most productivity in as well. And I think the ones where I went QB and tight end early, I'm seeing the most success in. Which is weird because personally, I advocate against that. Because I mean, I think uh, taking a Travis Kelsey one well, isn't that bad. It's not that bad of an idea. You know, he is a wide receiver one in your tight end position. It's it's not that bad. Having Lamar Jackson a running back one in your quarterback position. It's I mean, I think this year I've been a little bit more vocal about making sure you snag yourself a running quarterback. But uh, I. It's weird and it's different for me personally because I feel like I am going against my complete philosophy now of take your RBs for the first three to four rounds. Well, there's a couple of things to unpack there. And one mm -hmm. of them is if you go elite quarterback, elite tight end, you should do well because they are the positions you get the advantage at, really. Mm -hmm. And we've seen... Well, I'm going to walk that back slightly. It's been a weird four weeks of football. Like, there's a lot going on in the NFL this year, and it's hard to get a bead on who's good, who's bad, who's going to put up numbers, who isn't. 
uh, which is why I think there's some weirdness to it. And I would be interested to review this in you know, another month and look at how that production's coming along. Obviously, within that period, you're going to have injuries, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I think it's going to be worth revisiting. The other element there, and I think this is what people misunderstand about the zero RB, because people who say, oh, you go zero RB, because what happens if you spend an early pick on a running back and that running back gets injured? Well, that sucks, but you don't play the game and assume there's going to be injury. You build your roster to mitigate injury, certainly. But if the reason you're not taking a player early is because they might get injured, well, maybe fantasy football is not for you. The reason I think 0RB is a, a good strategy, particularly these days, is because it is hard to find week-to-week starters at wide receiver. And, we're, I mean, we're talking here about plug in and get elite weeks. If you have an injury at running back, like we get, we've seen at, um, uh, let's say, Denver, then you are going to be able to start Melvin Gordon or Mike Boone, or Latavius Murray, and possibly get the same production you were getting out of Javante Williams, or at least, let's say, 85 to 90% of that production. What you're not going to get is if you have, uh, let's say, DK Metcalf, goes off for a massive shit and he can't play next week, then you are not going to get DK Metcalf's production from Kendall Kendall Hinton. Now, that might be slightly disingenuous because they also have Jerry Judy there and he'd probably have a good week in that circumstance. The point is, it's hard to find that plug-and-play wide receiver off the waiver wire because a wide receiver needs to build a body of work, needs to build a rapport with their quarterback. We've seen running back most replaceable position so well we've seen running back become the most replaceable position in football so it stands to reason it's the most replaceable in fantasy football um so you can plug in those waiver wire guys if you scour the waiver wire you play you bid smart look at weeks ahead you look at the matchups you know the fun that is fantasy football um in, and you can't do that at, at wide receiver, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of people struggling this year because elite elite receiver production doesn't grow on trees. It doesn't. Also, I want to look real fast at the RB rankings. Right now in half-point PPR, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley on number one and two. Number three is Jamal Williams, backup running back for the Detroit Lions. Number four, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And, I mean... Williams and you know CEH they had ADPs of past the tenth round I think CEH was like maybe an eighth eighth round yeah uh, Shane, he, he I don't know if you mid round Eckler he's number five I mean he was a first rounder but he's the only reason the only reason he's number five he's he had three touchdowns and a thirty point burger last week you know uh, so he, he's kind of an asterisk there McCaffrey he's been pretty solid average you know pretty solid putting up his projection doing good not being a bust. Of course, he's on the injury report and being a game-time decision every single week. Now, I kind of feel like he's trolling a little bit when he does that. I feel like that's not that serious. I don't take his uh, his injury reports too seriously right now. Miles Sanders has been good. Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs. And then, of course, you know somebody like James Robinson. Yeah, They're in the top 10 with Cordell Patterson, who now hit the IR. Yep. The, IR the, the RB position has flipped over its head because you have somebody like Joe Mixon who averages, what is it, two yards per carry? 
you know, yeah. Leonard Fournette had more receptions than carries last week uh, in Sunday Night Football. Uh, DeAndre Swift is still in the top uh, 20, I believe, and he, he's been hurt the past two weeks. Uh, Antonio Gibson, he's going to take a little bit of a downturn when uh, the uh, the unfortunate accident of, sorry, I don't remember his name, got shot. I think he should be coming back soon. Brian Robinson. Yeah, there we go. And, now, and then, of course, number one overall, Jonathan Taylor is 23rd and now injured. Dalvin Cook, 24th. Najee Harris, 25th. It's... First round RBs just suck this year. That's like the only way we can wrap our head around it. First round RBs suck. Austin Eckler, he had three touchdowns. Or otherwise, he sucks as well right now. Uh, <laughs> wide receivers aren't going to do this kind of bust. And yeah. it kind of hurts to say it because, I mean, I came up here on the podcast and on all our mock drafts, and I said, you take your RBs because they are a diamond a dozen. And when... When you have them, it is an anxiety relief. And, you know, my right now in, for example, one of my leagues right now, I have Eckler, Fournette, and then I had Montgomery. Montgomery's gone. I got lucky. I have Melvin Gordon as a handcuff. I have him. Uh, it is a little bit of anxiety relief. I will say that. But, you know, when my wide receivers are Mike Evans, Gabriel Davis, and Brandon Cooks, I'm at a disadvantage. Mike Evans is good, yeah, but Brandon Cooks and Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Davis, they've been absolute busts when we want to consider all said and done and how they are currently doing right now. Uh, well, meanwhile, I, think, I could, yeah, go ahead. I think the lesson of Gabe Davis is don't just get sucked into the hype of the situation. And again, that's kind of what you're trying to project in fantasy football is who's in a good situation that I can take advantage of. And in, in theory, yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Gabe Davis, theoretically, theoretically a brilliant situation to be in. However, we'd seen previously that he's hot and cold. And he's real fucking cold in Buffalo. He, he is in what you would consider a perfect storm of a situation. He's got a wide receiver one. And yeah. we all considered him, oh, D- uh, Diggs, he's 1A. Gabriel Davis is 1B. Right now, it's looking Gabriel Davis is the wide receiver three. And right now, I think Isaiah McKenzie has outproduced him at this yeah. point. So he he might not even be the wide receiver two on that roster. He might be the wide receiver three. He might be the wide receiver four for compared to Jamison Crowder and Dawson Knox. And, and I mean, Devin Singletary probably has more targets than Gabriel Davis right now. Um, he is a bust of a pick. That's the only way around it right now. It, it could change. And all it would take for is one good game to change. But realistically, one good game isn't going to fill you with confidence you need to have a string of good games where he's getting consistent targets gets consistent production and consistent fantasy points but that's not going to happen with gabriel davis anymore he is not 1a 1b he is clearly the number two t one wide receiver three on that roster and it is like that for a handful of situations when you look at fantasy football my uh, chris godwin he is not the wide receiver 1b on that team he is the wide receiver two to wide receiver three on that team so when you take Chris God, when you skip out on Mike Evans and say, "Oh, I'll pick Chris Godwin up later," it's not a value pick. You definitely put yourself at a disadvantage by taking Chris Godwin because he is clearly not the receiver Mike Evans is in that offense. And from a health perspective, he gets hurt a lot. One hundred percent. And right now, Mike, Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton—they're completely. It's not one A, one B. One's a wide receiver one, and one's a wide receiver two. By taking one now. To be fair, going into this year, we didn't necessarily know what to expect. So to sit there and use them as an example might be a little unfair. 
I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, A.J. Brown to Devontae Smith. It's not 1A, 1B. Devontae Smith is the B, is the wide receiver too. Sorry, not the B. Uh, A.J. Brown, while he had big games, he did drop a donut one week. And then I believe this week he put up three points in half-point PPR. Meanwhile, A.J. Brown is still going to be that target monster and that absolute production machine. Well, let me reframe this slightly then. We're talking about Gabe Davis, Devonta Smith, uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, like, for example, the, the, Godwin. Godwin I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put to the side for a sec. But th- those three guys we've talked about, let's say Mike Williams in that as well. They mm-hmm. are... Anyone saying they were going to be 1A, 1B, you're wrong because that is, they might have two excellent receivers on the team, but there is an elite receiver and then the other guy. Yeah. 1A, 1B. I would say Godwin and Evans possibly a 1A, 1B situation. You've got to remember, Godwin is coming off an injury and Tom Brady loves throwing Evans in the red zone. So you could even say, well, that's not 1A, 1B, but they are two equally talented receivers. I would say Denver has 1A, 1B, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. They're equally talented, but by the same token, it's not because they're both really good, and they are both really good. It's because neither of them is that elite target hog. Right now, I think the most pure 1A, 1B, it would be the Cincinnati Bengals with Higgins and Chase. Even then, I feel like Chase is miles ahead of Higgins. But in a fantasy perspective right now, Chase, while he is clearly, in my personal opinion, more talented, if he's getting doubled... Uh, I believe the the Dolphins game. Uh, who was it? I think it was Xavier Howard uh, or Chase. I, for, I forgot who said it, but you know the Dolphins game plan was they doubled Chase, they doubled Tyler Boyd, and then they put Xavier Howard on T Higgins. Yep. And that, in theory, that's a really good game plan. But of course, then then you put T Higgins in a one on one situation, and he's going to be the target hog. Now, while they did stifle the Dolphins pretty decently, I think I think they really put. A lot of defensive. Uh, I think they were able to hamper down on Dolphins pretty well, whether to an injury or not. Uh, yeah. th- they did well defensively from a team that we had question marks on the defensive side. So we, I definitely expect this blueprint to be used by other teams. And if that's going to be the case, or if they're just going to double Jamar Chase in general, then that's going to leave T. Higgins in a spot where he's going to be the target monster. So is he going to be the 1A, and then Jamar Chase is going to be the 1B, or the wide receiver too? But in that case, T. Higgins was a fourth-round ADP. Jamar Chase was a first-round ADP. It changes everything. Yeah, but oh yeah, I thought T. Higgins was being overdrafted because he is a second fiddle receiver I think exactly the true 1A 1B um, at the moment in the NFL might be Chris Alave and Michael Thomas in that uh-huh. they are both about the same level I mean Thomas has has the runs on the board but Alave is playing really well they spread the ball to both of those players Alave has the ceiling Thomas I think has the floor and he's injured at the moment but that is the that is a 1A 1B situation both of those players equally good, equally startable. But you're not expecting elite receiver numbers out of them. You're not ex- if we were to do not the top 10, we're not going to be talking about Michael Thomas or Chris Alave in there. Yeah, it's and I think maybe another 1A, 1B, to even a 1C now, would be the Steelers. Because Deontay Johnson, he's not doing much either. I mean, he's got 23 receptions, which isn't bad. 200 yards. Yeah, And then... Uh, Chase Claypool, 
Actually, he, he, he's not in the conversation. He's definitely the, the wide receiver three. And now George Pickens. I mean, he, he's got 11 receptions, 167 yards. He, he's not doing too shabby in himself right now. And with a quarterback change, he might be the uptake on that roster. Yeah, potentially. I think um, I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the, the big beneficiary of Kenny Pickett being in, just the way he, he reads, the way he, he plays the position get the ball out quickly, throw the ball over the middle. That's where Johnson's bread and butter is. We've seen it with Big Ben. Um, it's not to say he doesn't have a downfield game, but I think we're just going to see uh, some really good production from Deontay Johnson from here on out. And what, what do you think of the, the Panther situation? we got DJ Moore, who had 11 targets, 6 receptions, 50 yards, and then we have like somebody like Robbie Anderson, who had, I think, 3 targets, 2 catches, for 26 yards, apparently. Uh, I think those are just a situation of bad wide receivers or bad offense. He's definitely bad quarterback play. Well, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of badness in that situation. I would suggest that the Panthers are rotting from the inside out, rotting from the head down, and what they need to be. I know David Tepper has talked about wanting to be aggressive. He got to blow that fucking thing up because Matt Rule ain't working. Ben McAdoo ain't working. Baker Mayfield ain't working. I put tell you what, we're going to see Sam Darnold at some point. It ain't going to work. And it sucks for DJ Moore, who is a good player. It sucks for Robbie Anderson, who is a good player. It sucks for Christian McCaffrey, who is an amazing player. But that offense just looks so bad. There's nothing to redeem it. So... I don't know what the lesson out of that is. Maybe it's to stay away from teams with bad coaching, but you know how how are you the judge of that when we see five or six new coaches in a team each year? Um, I I mean they they've got to do something, and I don't think we're going to see any value out of anyone on the Panthers. Maybe short of McCaffrey this year, and when we're talking value, I mean predictable repeatable performance because the only predictable repeatable performance there is they're going to be shit exactly now i want to kind of mention real fast michael gallup uh we are talking a lot about 1a 1b's potentially michael gallup could have been one of those 1b i want to hamper that a little bit and say hey you know he's probably just going to be the wide receiver too on that offense now he is 41 percent owned right now in yahoo leagues i think he is worth a waiver claim to a 10 to 20% of your fab. I'll be honest with you. I think I think he is going to be a I want to say more consistent wide receiver too for your fantasy roster. Is that is that too uh, unfair to say? I like Michael Gallup a lot. He's absolutely my guy. What We've just spent however long talking about what a waste of time wide receiver twos are. Yeah. And from the lessons of what we've talked about, then we should not be endorsing Michael Gallup because C.D. Lamb is an elite receiver there. There is, you know, Cooper Rush is playing okay, but let's say questionable quarterback play. We have Dak comes back who plays the, the position entirely differently to Rush. I, I, I'm going to say Michael Gallup should 100% be rostered. If he's on the waiver wire in your league, he should be on your roster. If you are picking him up, expecting him to start 
and be a reliable fantasy asset, then you probably just need to reframe your own mindset. But I, I like him. I think there is potential there. And, you know, the Cowboys are a team that throws. Especially when they're a little bit more ineffective running the ball with Zeke. Um, shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought here on what I wanted to go, though. Yeah. So, I mean, right now, right now the weather's warm. And mostly, most of the U.S. right now, Sunday comes around, the weather's warm. That encourages teams to pass the ball a little bit more. Statistically, teams pass the ball more in the early parts of the season. End of the part of the season, once winter starts arriving, the weather starts getting a little bit worse, starts getting cold, snow, rain, all that good stuff. Teams more run the ball more, and that's where running backs kind of become a little bit more effective throughout the year. So, I mean, it, it is still early. It's still week four going into, what is it, week five, are we? Or are we still in week four? Yeah, we're, we're going into week five. And, you know, I, I don't want to say we're overreacting a little bit, but it's something to think about when you start going through your draft process and something that while we talk about now, we kind of analyze, reevaluate, and maybe kind of think, how could we improve our draft strategies a little bit more? And I think right now, looking at wide receivers a little bit and try to snag more wide receiver ones might be a little bit more of an ideal game plan. I think getting a running back one in the first round, if your ADP and your draft position allows it, then yeah, I think you go for that. And then I think after that, you might want to start looking at wide receivers. Try to snag yourself at least one wide receiver one, elite wide receiver one, and then maybe start looking at, okay, what happens now? Where the value, who dropped and who's a steal at this point? Okay, oh, a running back fell down, let me grab him. Oh, this wide receiver fell down, let me grab him. And then after that, try to reevaluate what you're going at. Um, it's still super early. It's still super yeah. early to even think about drafts but it's it's still always on the back of my mind because I really do pride myself on my draft work and how I'm able to construct teams to really make it so I'm not really dipping down to waiver wire as much as my uh, anymore. Uh, so it's, it's something I'm always personally thinking about, and I feel like I want to share it to see if we can kind of bounce ideas on what we could do better or what have we done that is good. Yeah, I think it's fair. And the fact we're only four weeks into the season means we can have these discussions can sort of put these hypotheses forward and then we can look at to see how it plays out and maybe maybe the lesson in all of this is don't expect elite running back production for the first month of the season or you know fantasy football and this is the this is i suppose the um what's the word i'm looking for the the paradox of it Mm -hmm. is that it is a week-to-week game and you need to win your weeks, but so many of, or so much of a player's production happens over the course of the season, and it, that makes it hard to predict. That's why it's fun, but it also means that you can have these discussions now and say something like, "Oh, um, Chris Godwin, he, he's no good. Avoid drafting him." But then he'll end up with eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns. I mean, that, that's the unpredictability and the fun of fantasy, especially when you're able to make accurate, not accurate, but intelligent hypotheses with actual data to back yourself up. And then if you're able to do that and be correct, or if you have kind of just a gut feeling on a player and you're able to be correct on that, that's kind of, that's kind of what makes fantasy football fun to begin with. Now, I, I just yeah. kind of want to shout out everybody that had the first round overall pick in their fantasy leagues took Jonathan Taylor thought you had the best pick best RB in the draft 
killing it, studying it up. He went week one, balled out. You're thinking to yourself, oh, I just want free money with this league. Easy, GG, easy, easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy. Turns out, no, Jonathan Taylor's kind of playing like dog water right now. Now he gets hurt. Congratulations. You thought, okay, well, I mean, you know, I had the late first pick, you know, on the rotation. I picked up Javante Williams because that was his ADP, even though we kind of came on here and told you, do not put, do not take Javante Williams to save your life. But you didn't listen and you did anyway. Congratulations. He tore his ACL. So your first two RBs are now doo doo. And then chances are in the third round, you probably took, um, Help me out here. Who's the wide receiver you took in the third round? Um, I say Day Lamb was going earlier than that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're looking at Tyree Killish right now. Nah, he was a second for sure. Second. Um, no. Third round. What about uh, maybe you reached on Gabe Davis? Ooh, that's a oh god. Your team. Just pack it up after that. Just next year. <laughs> better luck next year. At that that point. Uh, you know, for fun, there you know in the sleeper and thirty-two bit chat, somebody was having a little bit of a panic attack. Not not a serious panic attack, but he was posting his roster and he was like wondering why he wasn't winning. Before before I even looked at his team, I just decided to tell him, "Oh, your team's ass. Just better luck next year." Uh, I'm sure I didn't help his anxiety, but I enjoyed that moment. That's uh, that's real helpful and a great attitude <laughs> as well. Um, I know we've been kind of freeform. Should we roll into some justifiable overreactions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, hey, hey, you know, we didn't really do much of an introduction. We just kind of just jumped right into it. Of course, I am Nada. What's going on, 32-bit and Sleeper Nation? Uh, of course, I'm alongside the number one Australian analyst, Sheehan. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, how was London football for you, by the way? I know you had a little taste of London. You're getting a little bit more this week. So the game itself was was a, not a great game, but a very exciting ending. Uh-huh. Um Sucks for Will Lutz because he had the the leg to make the kick and just doinked it. Um, I I missed uh, most of the first half. Um, Watched my mate run the London Marathon, which is pretty cool. Uh, But yeah, no, it's a good game. Good to have football back. We got the Packers and Giants here this week. Um, I'm actually out of London uh, for it, so won't be getting along to that one. But um, no, it's good. It's always good to have football back in London. I know it's inconveniently early for your side of the country a lot of people i think in the western time zone maybe waking up to find out alvin kamara hadn't played mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was just about to bring up that topic of conversation so a lot of, i've seen it on twitter a couple times and it's actually happened in one of my leagues and one of the the very competitive leagues that i am in a person did left kamara in his lineup and the discussion was, okay, should we punish him for it? Or not necessarily punish him, but should we make the commissioner decision of inputting in another running back in that spot for him? What do you feel about this? I think in that situation, um, because there was, as far as I know, there were no like whispers that he was going to be out. Yeah, it was a 50-50 game time decision. Yeah, Um, yeah, coin flip. I, I think if you're saying like, if it's a situation where, I don't know. Let's say for argument's sake, Javante Williams makes a, a miracle comeback and uh, the Broncos, they're not playing in London here, but like they, they, let's say they're playing an early game and you put Javante Williams in your lineup and he is doubtful um, and he doesn't play, that's your own fault. I think if it's a situation where it's just a total fucking surprise, you wake up and see it. If you can um, say who you want to substitute in before the next game start, like... I wouldn't say you can sub in someone who's already played. 
So if you mm-hmm. had somebody who went off on the Thursday night game, no good. But if you can say, yeah, he can start, you know, they can start someone else um, before that next window of games kicks off, I don't have a problem with it. But it has to be announced before the games. And, you know, there's no, let's have a look at who did well and then we'll put in the highest score. No, it's, you say who you want to be in instead. And, like, it sucks, but... I don't, I don't know. How, where do you? How do you feel about it? I mean, I personally set an alarm for six thirty to just double check everything real fast to make sure there wasn't any unpleasant surprises. Um, I checked my lineup, saw everything was good, and uh, to be honest, I dozed back off. I barely watched. I watched the fourth quarter of that game, uh, but for COVID, in in one of our comp- it was super competitive leagues. Uh, if there was a chance a player or a game would get postponed we personally put in a group chat that a you know if this person gets out with covid i substitute this person and this person only specifically for that spot and then of course we would just the commissioner would just alter it for him i think in this case it could have been done i won't blame a commissioner for saying no set your alarm for 6 30 and get good but I also won't blame a commissioner for being like, okay, yeah, you know, we can let it slide this time. And, you know, as long as you input the person beforehand, then, yeah, kind of like what you mentioned. Um, I, I will say, because I experience the other side of this every week. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever happened to me touch wood, where I've gone to start a player Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, and that player has not played. But that's like the risk you take of, getting involved in something that's happening outside of time zone. Because it's very different when you live in the... Uh, the con- is it the contingent? I don't know what I'm asking you. The uh, contiguous United States and you are trying to work out where your lineup is set, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm more about it being about fun than yeah. being a dick. And it's more fun to say to someone, you know what, it's fine. But yeah. I could see if you were in like a a big money league where there's thousands of dollars buy-in, hundreds of dollars buy-in, you might go, well, bad luck. And as you say, set your fucking alarm and check your lineups. If it means that much to you, set your alarm, check, check your lineups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're putting in, like, uh, I'm personally not in any, like, thousand dollar money leagues but if you're in a thousand dollar money league yeah you should you should set your alarm to 6 30 or six o'clock to, to make sure i mean that it's a thousand dollars buy-in plus 12 teams or 10 teams i mean you're looking at a fat payout you you i feel like at that point you should probably be checking your lineups on a daily basis at that point exactly yeah uh, but to, like realistically if that's the reason you lost your week then yeah i would be salty like to be fair I'd be salty. Like if I put any bench RB in and that would have won me my week. Yeah. I'd be salty. If it doesn't matter, then, you know, maybe for the, the sake of points four, you can maybe try to make that argument for later on in the year. If you're trying to inch towards playoffs. Um, but yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's a fantasy sports ball. is supposed to be fun at the end of the day. It's supposed to be fun. I will caveat this by saying in my family league, I played against a guy who had Kamara in his lineup. I like, you know, I like the guys fairly, um, you know, nice dude, fairly unobtrusive, doesn't ask for much. Uh, if he'd have said, can I substitute in Kamara, no problem. There are some people in that league, if they'd have asked, I would have told him to get fucked. That's fair. 
That's, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, d- don't be an asshole in your league. And then maybe if something happens like that, you know, you can plead your case and people will sympathize and uh, agree with you. Yeah. So let's talk about fun trades. I decided to send one this morning because I decided that I wanted to be heavy on Melvin Gordon this year. I felt like Javante Williams is dog water. I mean, he's not like dog water, dog water, but I felt like Melvin Gordon is good enough to the point where he's going to get carries. Javante, if he gets hurt, Melvin Gordon is going to be that lead RB1. Um, let, me, let me go send this trade offer. First first of all, I went Melvin Gordon for Jalen Waddle. Would you do that? I'd rather move Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle, I would too. But, of course, that's why I sent that offer, because I want Jalen Waddle. Uh, Melvin Gordon for Christian Kirk. I'd rather Christian Kirk. You'd rather Christian Kirk? Yeah, Sam, that's why I sent that offer, because I want Christian Kirk. I don't want I don't want Melvin Gordon. Uh, and then, of course, that is the league with Brandon Cooks and Gabriel Davis. So I'm definitely looking to try to find a way to sure up my wide receiver. Now, I'm going to, like I've always said, do not use trades as a way to sure up your team, because trading is almost ineffective 99.9% of the time. I just like trading and throwing out trades to people and seeing what sticks. Chances are none of it's going to stick. So we're, we're looking at the waiver wire. And do you see anybody in the waiver wire? And I know we're going to segue a little bit to the one percenters because you like your 1%. And especially those people that we kind of like put our eye out on there and see them flourish and become those nice little fantasy productive RBs or wide receivers or RBs um, in our fantasy lineup. So uh, do you have anybody that we can kind of look at the waiver wire and say, Hey, I want that guy, uh, as at wide receiver, anything. Um, I'm just looking at the, um, roster ship percentage here. Let's, so, let's real, kinda, so real kinda, fast. He's not, he's not a one percenter, but you mentioned him, Greg Dorch. Dorch. Dorch, I mean, he, he went from, you know, of course, week one, 10 fantasy points, 13 and a half, 12 and a half, you know, from week one to week three. And he, you mentioned him and I had no idea who he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I kind of kept tabs on him this week to see what he's looking at. And of course, the one week that I keep tabs on a player, uh, he gets one reception for six yards. Uh, are you still looking at him? He's 27% owned. I I don't think so. I, we talked about Greg Dorch on the great debate. Um, I thought he was sort of, I was happy to defend him. I think he's a decent player. Fantasy perspective, fool's gold, because he was getting uh, targets as a result of no one else being in that offense or Hollywood Brown not being in the offense. And I don't think he'd ever taken that position with both hands to make it his, as he was the team's slot receiver. Saw Rondell Moore come back this week. Um, There there was a a perfect start. I mean, Greg Dorch was just not going to be fantasy relevant. So... Um, no, not especially interested in him. We've got currently uh, rostered in 64.2% of leagues, and that's Robert Woods. I'd be getting him on your roster if he's available. Now, what about Robert Woods? I thought he looked very good on the weekend in an otherwise poxy attack. He caught a touchdown, I think his first of the year. Uh, but he's, he's Robert Woods. He's a great, he's a good football citizen. He has 20 targets on the year, 13 receptions, 167 yards. And yes, you mentioned a receiving touchdown. It's interesting because, one, that team looks iffy right now. You know, they're, I believe they're 2-2. Two and two. A little iffy. We're not really sure what to think of the Texans. Or the Titans, sorry. But they're in a weak division, so we do expect them to make playoffs. Yeah. I like Robert Woods. I like uh, it. But he's on the Titans. True. Well, let me give you another name then. Okay, let's hear it. And yeah, you've already told me Isaiah McKenzie, who is currently yeah. rostered in thirty-three point six percent of leagues. 
he's had three touchdowns on the year, 153 receiving yards, and uh, has had 15 targets in the last two games. Yeah, I, I was. I'm literally right before you mentioned Robert Woods. I'm looking at uh, Isaiah McKenzie in fantasy, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, he's 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 wide receiver 33, I believe, right now. Mm-hmm. Rostered 47 percent of leagues. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, he put up 17 and a half, and then 10. He he's getting peppered with targets. He's got 21 targets, 15 receptions, 153 yards, and three touchdowns. Somehow, the small guy is getting touchdown red zone targets. I mean, he's a little shifty. He gets open. He's got good matchups. I mean, he's going against Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and then they got a bye week, and then Green Bay, and then the Jets. Um, I like McKenzie a lot. I have he's, a little. He's doing better than Gabriel Davis. Yeah. He's doing better than Gabriel Davis. That's all you need to he know. He is. I have a lot of Isaiah McKenzie in uh, both redraft and dynasty because that slot receiver role in Buffalo has been productive. We saw Cole Beasley didn't eat shit. So, like, Isaiah McKenzie's better player than him, at least to my mind, watching. Um, so it was fairly obvious that there was going to be work there for him. Um, again, we're not talking about expecting him to score 100 or to get 100 yards and touchdown every week, but nice little plug-in here and there. You know he's got a pretty solid floor. He's got a nice ceiling, and you could do worse than getting parts of that Bills offense. Yeah, you can start Gabriel Davis. Uh... I am going to give you two more, and then... Okay. We'll roll into some other stuff. All right. And they, we're, we're talking about ceiling here. Okay. And I think this is the time of year where you go, well, I'm interested to see, pick up someone with ceiling and see how they do. Doesn't cost you a lot. Keep them on your roster for a couple of weeks. See how they're projecting. Uh, because ceiling is what wins you fantasy weeks. And that is Rondale Moore, who's rostered in about 19% of leagues. Came back from injury this week, uh, five targets, three catches for 11 yards, one rushing attempt for minus four yards, not setting the world on fire, but he is a big play threat, and Cliff Kingsbury loves getting the ball in his hands. Um, I don't really, I think he's a little bit overrated, uh, but I think for what he could provide to your team, he's worth picking up. Uh, And the other one is... Uh, Green Bay wide receiver Christian Watson, another play that I'm not actually a massive fan of. However, we saw his big play potential against the Patriots this week on a, uh, a rushing touchdown. And we saw him drop what would have been a 75-yard touchdown in week one. I think this guy has the potential to blow up. And in that, well, in the, with that Aaron Rodgers passing game, um, I really like Watson as a surprise finishes the season as the wide receiver 30. Mr. Christian Watson, I do like him. Uh, we, we did actually discuss Watson and Dodds last week's episode, I believe, if I remember off the top of my head. Uh, yep. We were a little bit more bigger on Dodds and it shown against the Patriots. He, he, still, he played very well. I, I still prefer Dubs. Yes, yes a, I'm going to prefer Dubs. A fantasy asset. Um, but as I say, if we're talking about ceiling... And this is the thing all along, is that Christian Watson's the guy you want to look at. Yeah, Christian Watson, he's interesting. And I know on uh, the Pat McAfee show, uh, they asked Aaron Rodgers about Christian Watson and Dodds. And uh, he, Christian, he, Aaron Rodgers had a lot of positive things to say about Christian Watson. So stuff like that and, Christian, and both Dodds as well. 
uh, a lot of positive things, good things to say about both of those wide receivers. So they're, they're the type of wide receivers that I'm really interested in and kind of want shares of them on my roster. Now, Christian Watson is owned in 8% of Yahoo Leagues right now. So he might be one that I wouldn't probably potentially put a waiver claim or some fab on it. But I think after the fact, once it hits 12 o'clock, if he does not have a claim on him, I'm going to try to potentially scoop him up on my fantasy leagues. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, really fast, I, I'm looking down your list, and uh, there's two names that really infuriate me. The one, of course, is he who must not be named. Um, I don't know why you did that and why you put him on the list. There's just well, no chance. To annoy you. I, I can tell. Like, I, 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 I saw the list, and I thought to myself, he did that on person. He did that. Yeah, no, I did. I, I put it on there. Yeah, just to annoy yeah, you yeah that was uh, it hurt it hurt he lit he had one catch for 90 yards and a touchdown and the rest of the weeks he put zero zero and zero and all of a sudden one snap this played week. one yeah god cry me a river oh and then of course ben i'm gonna try to say his name ben ben sherwanonic Yes, Ben Schwerwanik. No, uh, Ben isn't it Skoronik? Is uh... you know, it's it's those Russian names, or the, the that that part of the world names. You know, eleven eleven letters, zero vowels. Doesn't make sense. Don't know how to say it. Yeah, no, Ben Skoronik. I think has been really interesting. I'm not sure he's fantasy relevant, but he's, he's an interesting close. player to watch. They line him up at fullback. They line him up at receiver. They line him up at tight end. They sort of try and get the ball in his hands quite a lot. I think I think Sean McVay just has fun using him. It's no different to, you know, you've got a fun player who might be, let's say he's fast or has amazing agility on Madden, but he's not that good. So you have sort of special packages that you put him in because you like playing with him. It's a little weird. All right, but he likes playing with him, huh? I think he does. I think he likes it. That's what the same thing. He likes Tutu Atwell for the same reasons. He wants to like have these little gadget guys and uh, make things happen with them. Um, I was reading uh, the comment section of a uh, of a specific post, and it, you know, it, it, some people mentioned that it's not a coincidence that his two highest targeted players are Shawanik and Cup. There you go. <laughs> oh, speaking of wide receiver twos that are absolute bust, let's talk about Allen Robinson real fast. He completely eluded me. He's been such a bust that he completely, like, he eluded me so much, and I hyped him up, kind of well, like we last. Talked, we talked yeah. about him last week, and I thought he's just done shit again. That we don't need to talk about Allen Robinson. Yeah, he's 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 just God. He dog water. It's really bad. Shrewanik is better than Allen Robinson. I just want you to. Yeah, he's certainly more productive than. Uh, yeah. Robbie boy isn't he god that hurts it hurts yeah yeah I think so um John New Smith Justice Hill's an interesting one yeah I, I know you have him mentioned there Justice Hill is interesting I, I I don't have too much hit uh too much information on Justice Hill so I'm pulling it I'm trying to pull it up real fast uh, he's the running back for the Baltimore Ravens well yes that I know that I understand the more more his stat line I'm more interested in right now. I mean, he, he's yeah. not getting that much. 19 carries for 125 yards and zero touchdowns. 
Yeah, he does have a little bit of a hamstring injury, though. That's the only interesting. Yeah. I think... I've been a fan of Justin Hill for a little while now. I think his production is going to be tied to J.K. Dobbins coming back in. Mm -hmm. And I... I am hesitant for that reason to say to go out and spend fab on Justice Hill. But he could be in that Christian Watson category. Wave is clear. No one's picked up Justice Hill. Little scoopy scoopy for for free. I mean, if you want, put in a one, $1 bid uh, and, and get him that way. But um, yeah, I think his value is just going to be tied to to that. And you, you know the Ravens, like you're not going to get goal line work because Lamar will take it, so. Good. All my Lamar shells are panning out. Uh, you know, it was a weird week for quarterbacks as well. Kind of a little side note. All the top QBs didn't do as good as you'd hoped. Then you had, then you had Jared Goff. What did he put, like 38? So, fun little side story, and you can pretend to be surprised because I told you this off air. Okay. In Scott Fishbowl, I have... Jared Goff and Geno Smith, the highest scoring quarterbacks on the week. I think they got about 40 points each. And I uh, I started neither of them. And uh, I mean, I still won. Thankfully, I'm still undefeated. Uh, but no, I started uh, Trevor Lawrence over him because I like that he's been playing well. And I like the little stack I have there with um, fucking uh, Christian Kirk. I agree. I would do the same. And he, here's my here's my logic. I was worried that without Amon Ra St. Brown, without um, DeAndre Swift, that Jared Goff may struggle to move the ball, even against the Seahawks, who had a bit of a weird season. Uh, may struggle to move the ball, may struggle to get connection, might throw some picks, might get sacked. And basically, Scott Fishbowl rewards completions and punishes incompletions. So I was a little bit worried about that. And on the flip side, Geno Smith... I don't think you can ever start him with confidence. And the Lions defense, although they're quite porous, again, can give up sacks. Jeff Okuda was playing well. And it might have been a week where they got right against Seattle, who are a, a weird, weird team. So I benched both of them and started Trevor Lawrence and Matt Ryan. Um, all's well that ends well. But yeah, ended up with the two highest scoring quarterbacks of the week on my bench. You know, it's a flex. Yeah. It is a, a flex. Super flex. Oh, not bad, not bad. That's a double super flex. Like, oh, yeah, I just own two of the best quarterbacks of the week. Oh, and I put them on my bench, and I still won? Yeah, you're trash. I am having a lot of fun watching the Goff ants this year with the Detroit Lions. Goff is not bad. Like, I've been trying to advocate for him. I've been trying to advocate for a fantasy In a fantasy perspective, Jared Goff is not bad. And he supports multiple wide receivers. Yep. I like him a lot. I've I think got, he looks uh, funny. I've got a but lot of golf as my third and fourth quarterback. Uh huh. Uh huh. He, he he will pay you dividends throughout the year, and it's not like they drafted a, a quarterback that they're pretending for the future. He, he's all they have. I mean, of course they could potentially get one next year, but as of right now, he's all they got, and that's all they need because he's doing very well. Yeah. So on another side note, while we're going back, uh, Tyler Algier, with we mentioned uh, Patterson on the IR a little bit earlier. Yep. Who are you going for on those Falcons uh, RBs? Because right now, Tyler, he is currently rostered on 20% of leagues. I don't know who else could be used. Caleb Huntley. Let me take a quick peek at what he's doing. I was going to counsel people to stay away from Caleb Huntley. 
I think um, uh, between him him and Algier, it is a um, it's sort of a thunder and lightning combination. Huntley is the vertical back, uh, runs between the tackles, like he's a bigger guy, um, and he's slower. I think he ran like a four six forty. An idiot. Uh, and Alligier has a bit more of the... He's got a bit more... You know, a bit more wiggle to him. Uh, I quite liked him as a late pick, as both in Dynasty and in Redraft. Um, the issue here is there are going to be weeks where the Falcons can't get anything going on the ground. And Caleb Huntley will have eight carries for 19 yards, and Alligier will have six carries for 15 yards and, you know, three targets for eight yards. And that that's not much good. Kildarrell Patterson is a fantasy asset because he catches the ball, runs well, and he's a big play threat. They were peppering him with targets because that is an offense without weapons. They have Kyle Pitts. They have Drake London. I think we're going to see more from Mariota. Uh, design runs in that sort of game. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be spending money on Huntley if you if Algiers out there he should be rostered, but don't expect it's going to be a plug and play. And he has this game every week. The Browns didn't have Miles Garrett, they didn't have Jadevian Clowney, and they just didn't play very well. The Falcons could control the tempo of the game. They did control the tempo of the game, and they won. They were able to keep the ball on the ground and they won. I don't think they're going to get to do that. Uh, who they played? They played Bucks this week. Let me take a quick peek right now. Tyler Algier, twenty percent. Yeah, they play the Buccaneers. Yeah, so against the Bucks this week, I, I, they're not going to be playing from in front or at least equal, and B, uh, the the Bucks are a, a more stout defense uh, than than the Browns, or at least they should they should be this week. Also, Tom Brady hasn't lost three games in a row since 2002. He's currently lost two. He ain't going to lose the Falcons. To be fair, let's see, they play Tampa Bay. Then after that, they play the Niners, and then Cincinnati. A little odd, a little bit of a rough stretch. But what I, what I would like to see out of Tyler is, one, I want to pick him up. Two, I want to see what his usage look like. So if he's getting, if, if he's not being productive, but he's getting usage, okay, this is a rough stretch. It'll go, it'll come, it'll go, it'll be back. And then once he starts getting the more favorable matchups, like Carolina, the Chargers, the Carolina again, the Chicago, um, he might be a much more fantasy productive running back, depending on how Cordell Patterson does with his injury uh, and how fast he's able to come back uh, from his knee injury. Uh, it's a little interesting. But, of course, right now, we're kind of picking up at scraps, especially if you're a uh, Tyler, uh, TJ owner. Sorry, his name completely eludes me at this point. Or a uh, Javante Williams owner. Uh, it, chances are, if you have one, you might be paired up with the other one, and you're, you're down two RBs, or you're just down RBs in general, or your RBs aren't being productive, and you need to make a move or make a change. Um, Tyler Algier might be one of those guys that you're like, okay, this might be a little bit of a, a savior for me as well. Uh, yeah, well, if we're talking about handcuffs and, and injury, I thought Latavius Murray looked really, really good for the Saints. He's now on the Broncos. And the Broncos clearly frustrated with the amount that your mate Melvin Gordon's been fumbling. Yeah, he fumbles. Mike, 
Mike Boone is going to be the popular ad there. I think you're going to be able to get Latavius Murray for less, uh, and I'd be more interested in him. I was definitely surprised to see him get signed off the practice squad. He looked good. He looked real good. Now, now I think Melvin Gordon is going to be the bulk. I mean, it already was announced that he's going to be the workhorse right now, uh, especially Thursday night. Short week. Boone probably doesn't have enough to get uh, situated. Latavius Murray doesn't have enough to get situated. Uh, they're going to spell Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon is going to be leading the pack in carries. Against Indianapolis, yeah, I would put Melvin Gordon in, and I'm going to be putting Melvin Gordon in it in a lot of my flex spots. Uh, like I mentioned, I went heavy on Melvin Gordon this year, not because of the talent, but I felt like the situation would really benefit him. Uh, so I'm going to be doing that as well. But Latavius yep. Murray is somebody to keep an eye on. Yep, for sure. Uh, Melvin Gordon is dealing with a little bit of a neck injury. I don't think it's serious. Uh, he's, But it is something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Should we... Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we talk comeback players of the week here and then roll into the uh, the classic segments to finish? Let's do it. Right. Comeback player of the week for me this week, Christian Kirk, had two for 60 against the Chargers. Saved his fantasy day um, with uh, with a big play towards the end of the game. Did have nine targets, though. I think Trevor Lawrence had a fairly ordinary game. He had lost four fumbles. Um, it, that offense just... They looked good, and then they didn't look good. They couldn't get any rhythm. Playing the Texans this week, I think pencil him in for um, for another big game. I do agree with you on that one. I like Christian Kirk a lot. I like his situation. Targets are there. Production will be there. Uh, yeah, speaking of somebody who is not going to have a comeback of a week, I'm just going to listen right now. Kyle Pitts is not going to be a comeback player of the week. He's going to stay doo-doo just for everybody that overdrafted him in your fantasy leagues. Love it. Uh, but my comeback player of the week is actually going to be Amari Cooper. One reception for nine yards against Atlanta. I mean, yet Nick Chubb, he kind of hogged it. He hogged it all a little bit. Yeah, It's not going to happen against the Chargers uh, on Sunday. I expect Amari Cooper to be a very productive wide receiver. He's 31 targets, 20 receptions, two touchdowns, over 200 yards. Yeah, he, he's a guy that you're going to be wanting to start on your fantasy roster. Yeah. Uh Honorable mention was going to be Terry McLaurin with two receptions and 15 yards, but the person who is named after a Starbucks drink, I think, uh, I think he's going to stay a little bit on, on the downturn. <laughs> um, bring back an old segment from last year. Two-minute drill. I'm going to need the link for the the games. Do you happen to have that? I sent it to you on GroupMe. Did you? Did you? Hold I on. Did. Hold on. Did I overlook it? Possibly. Am I blind as a bat? You are. No. Uh, 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 I don't think you did. I did. Under the link for this. Oh, I thought that was the same link. That's why. Okay, okay. That's why I ignored it. Okay. Nope. Okay. Do you want to start it off? All right. Yeah, yeah. For, all right. For those of you who are new to, um, new to the show... A uh, two-minute drill is we have two minutes to talk about whatever we want coming up in this week's games, the games we're looking forward to, any players you should start, avoid. Two minutes to talk about the week ahead. So without any further ado, this is a terrible week of football. There are terrible matchups top to bottom. There are mismatches. There are uninteresting games. The quote-unquote game of the week. Well, the game of the week is probably going to be the Raiders at, at the Chiefs and... 
prime time. But we have... Let's talk about the London game. The 3-1 and Giants versus the 3-1 and Packers. I don't think anyone would have had the Giants at 3-1 and at this point in the season. They are already... I mean, they've had a bit of a, a puffball uh, run, but they just keep sneaking out wins. I mean, 20 versus 12 versus Chicago. What I am looking forward to is Saquon Barkley, who looks amazing this year. I think he's looked like the best running back in the league. Um, and the Packers last week, they couldn't really get it going against uh, Bailey Zappi and the Patriots. Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a pick six, which he doesn't do all that often. Um, there was a bunch of turnovers, and they're probably lucky that the Patriots were shit and are shit and will continue to be shit. We might see Daniel Jones this week. We're unlikely to see Tyrod Taylor. We might see a Jake Fromm or someone like that starting for the Giants, which doesn't augur well for the London crowd. But nevertheless, it's three and one versus three and one. Uh, we're talking young quarterback starting. Kenny Pickett gets his first start of his career against the Bills. I think they could get nasty. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure that he's going to like Deontay Johnson. I would like to see him get Chase Claypool a little more engaged in that offense, um, but we will see what happens against the Bills. Bills should win this much easier than they did against the Ravens, coming from 17 points down, their biggest comeback in a very long time. Uh, the Ravens take on the Bengals, and this could be a game of who doesn't want to win it. The Ravens keep giving up these big leads. They're playing great, exciting football, but they're not competing in all phases at the moment. I think I like the Ravens to bounce back in this one. That's my time. All right. Let me hit the start on the stopwatch. Boom. Two minutes counting. Let's talk about one of my more interesting matchups that I'm looking at. That's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles against the Arizona Cardinals. Two high-flying offenses. Two offenses that I'm really interested in because, one, I want to see how they do on a more competitive basis with two teams that I think are going to be really good going into the season. And I think they both have playoff implications and aspirations. So I do want to see how Arizona Cardinals defend the Eagles. And I want to see how the Eagles defend the Cardinals. Speaking of how I want to see people defend each other, uh, the Jets and the Dolphins go against each other. It's a divisional, divisional matchup. So they always play each other. They kind of have an idea on what to do. But I want to see how Salah deals with the Dolphins. And I want to see how the Dolphins deal with uh the Jets, especially I want to see the running back situation. What's going on there for uh, Michael Carter and Brees Hall. I want to see how the wide receiver core looks with uh, with um, Zach Wilson at quarterback. Hey, shout out to his gritty. His gritty was clean. It looked really nice. He practiced it throughout his injury. And I just want to say I saw it and I respect it. It looked, it, he, it looked good. I also want to see the Dallas Cowboys against the Rams because the Rams defense got embarrassed a little bit. You know, Monday night against the, the Niners. And I want to see what Cooper Rush can do against that type of defense. And I want to see what the Rams can do against that type of ferocious defensive line plus aggressive secondary. I want to see Matthew Stafford pick a wide receiver too. Whether that's Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby, or Skronik for crying out <laughs> loud. I want to see him to pick a wide receiver too because that offense can't support a wide receiver too. And I want to really see them do that. On another side note, another fun game to watch is going to be the Bengals and the Ravens just because it's another divisional matchup. Those always get nasty. And there's going to be a lot of fantasy relevant players on both those teams, which always makes it a much fun game. Stop on the stop clock. And I just wanted to let you know that was two minutes and 67 seconds. 
that would be three minutes and no sorry minutes. sorry sorry i read it. it was two minutes on the dot point 67 so that's like the, the hundredth of the decimal <laughs> i like it well we have one more segment before we finish the show and that is prognostications all right and i'm gonna start with this one because we have been doing this for Oh, All yeah, of last year. I feel like I should I should have mentioned and this I, earlier. But go ahead. And I finally fucking got one right. I said there would be a pitch invader at some game this week, and boy oh boy, did we have one. The last game of the week, some idiot protesting about animal rights with a flare, people saying it was a gender reveal, all those things. No. Bobby Wagner ironed him the fuck out, and I was fucking right that it was gonna happen. I'm so proud of you. Like, I'm so proud. Like, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Like, out of all things, like, you said that into my head. I'm like, that's autistic. But no, you were right. I thought it was going to be uh, the London game. Some drunk dickhead running on the field. No. But I was right. Vindicated. So, yeah, he did pop a pink flare. It looked cool. It looked cool. I yeah. will give him that. It did look cool while he was running around. I don't know what his shirt said. If it was a gender reveal, I respect the dad. I respect the hell out of it. Um, I don't the, think it was a gender reveal. No, nah, no. But if it was, well, the dad now currently has brain damage because I think I think his helmet, Bobby Wagner's helmet, hit him straight in the dome. That guy probably got yeah. taken to the hospital. That looked like it hurt. Yeah. And uh, I believe the Miami Dolphins have cleared him of all damage and want to start him at quarterback this week. Yeah, true, true, true. Hey, good point. Spe- we didn't talk about We didn't talk about Tua much. Um, now at this point like I feel like it's been through the cycle of like yeah. it's been six days there's nothing else to talk about other than it was horrible I know I know I had a really witty comeback or a line for it but I don't remember off the top of my head no I don't think Tua does either yeah <laughs> no. no that's that's, that's uh, you, do, you do be right there no you do, you do be right yeah I now he does I'm looking I'm looking at the schedule for this week. I'm going to say we get a game that ends in a tie. I was going to do that. And I remember when this segment used to be like genuine predictions. Yeah. Um, I think I say that every week too. I would like it to be the Texans-Jags game. So we have the Texans with the record 0-3-2. Okay. But I, I'm just going to say any game ends in a tie. Okay. Okay. So your your prediction is the game ends in a tie. Yeah. Okay. So my prediction is going to be an announcer has a clip of something that he says that goes viral. Like properly viral. Yeah. Like you know, uh, it goes on Twitter, and then you know, people say it, and then people are like, "What did he say?" Like pause. What? Is it going to be like a? You know, that's one of the loudest manure chants I've ever heard that comes up every year. Is it going to be like... No, a, like he says like... That's oh, a he... disgusting act by Randy Moss. No, it's going to be like, oh, you know, like the pressure's all... You know, like Tom Brady, two people sack him, and then, you know, one of the announcers is going to be like, oh, yeah, they all came on his face or something like that. You know, something like that. <laughs> it's, all, it's 100% always something yeah. like that. Yeah, so that is my prediction. You know, a clip of something like that goes viral. Yeah. All right. Good. I'm sure it might be Mark Sanchez. I think he has a joke writer. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah. Right. Oh. Let's get us out of here. All righty. Well, that's going to have to wrap up this episode real fast, real fast, real fast, real fast. I need your expertise. Because mm. I spent 
a decent amount of fab last week on the Green Bay defense. I actually spent like $11, which would be about almost 10% of my fab on Green Bay defense because, of course, last week they played the Patriots, which I thought would be a good matchup, which it wasn't that bad. And especially when the third-string quarterback came in, I'm like, come on. I should. I feel like I should have put more points up than that. But anyway, then they play the Giants this week, the Jets next week, and then Washington. Mm. But for this week, I also have the Buffalo Bills defense, and they go against Pittsburgh against Kenny Pickett. Mm. Who would you recommend I start? Green Bay Packers against the Giants or the Buffalo Bills against Pittsburgh? Packers against the Giants, not even Packers, close. Really? Why? Yep. Well, you're going to have potentially a third-string quarterback. Failing that, you have Daniel Jones who can't hold on to the ball. So I think you, you're good for at least a turnover there, and turnovers are, are gold in these sorts of uh, situations. So, yep, I'm going to say it is the Packers. Okay, Packers, because I know the Packers, they are going to be a little bit of a hotter commodity due to the stretch of solid matchups that they have. Now, of course, the Bills are the talented one, but they seem to have difficult matchups, which makes it uncomfortable starts. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, Kenny Pickett threw three picks. I, we're not unlikely to see that this week. Two of them were sort of Hail Mary-ish. Yeah. Um, and two came off Steelers players' hands. So, no, I'm, I'm going to say it's... Uh, it's Green Bay. Alrighty, that settles it on that one. But other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for all today.